On today's episode of The Corner Booth, Mulraney and I discuss Gronk to the Buccaneers, the documentary The Last Dance, more stories about the 90s Bulls, the upcoming NFL Draft, and some of our favorite 30 for 30s. Before we get rolling, we have a word from our sponsor, Novice Clothing Company. We're all about supporting local business on this show, and I'm blown away by Novice Clothing Company and the original, authentic work being done for athletes of all ages and teams of all sizes. Based in Albany, the Bernardo brothers have lived through playing in uncomfortable athletic gear, too big, too small, too thick, and in upstate New York, not thick enough. Novice Clothing Company doesn't outsource for its apparel. They produce it themselves, ensuring the best apparel possible while cutting out the middleman and saving you money. Parents, coaches, and booster clubs do what we do here at Procrastination Sports and on the corner booth and support local business. Get started at NoviceClothingCompany.com and on Instagram at Novice Clothing Company and get ready to claim your crown. All right, let's roll. Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 14 of the Corner Booth. Mulraney and I are here. And as soon as we signed on, Mike, breaking news to your phone. Yes, the New England Patriots are trading newly unretired tight end Robert Gronkowski to the Tampa Bay Bucks, where he'll be reunited with Tom Brady. Uh, Gronk and a seventh are going to the Bucks. A Bucks fourth is going back to New England. Wow. So the Buccaneers pick up a pick, too. It's a seventh rounder, but they still get a pick out of this? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a wild deal right there. I mean, that's a good deal for the Bucks for sure. Yep. Uh, if you remember two years ago, the Pats had a deal to send Gronkowski to the Lions to be reunited with Matt Patricia, who was the new head coach over there. And Gronk said he would retire before he played with somebody who wasn't Tom Brady. Gronk plays one more year. They win the Super Bowl. Obviously, last year he retired. Now he's coming back at age 30 to play in Tampa Bay with Brady. Is that how he's only he's only 30 years old? Yeah. That's crazy. That's insane that he's only 30 years old. Oh, yeah. And now with O.J. Howard in Tampa... They have an unbelievable tight end duo. Obviously the best tight end duo in the league. I personally still think Gronk has a lot more left in the tank. I think he was just kind of sick of the way things roll in New England. I don't think he's necessarily into the hard, extensive work that that Belichick makes his players put in day in and day out. I think it'll be a more laxed environment in Tampa Bay. He's going to crush the Tampa Bay scene. I mean, I went to Tampa Bay. Uh, St. Petersburg, Clearwater area for my honeymoon. It's awesome. And Gronk is going to eat that up with a spoon and fork. And that's Hulk Hogan country, which those two together should get some type of ads going, some type of like sponsorship going. Those two together, electric. Uh, I think it's a great fit, though, for the, for Gronk and for the Bucks. I think now you bring a security blanket to Tampa Bay with Brady to go with Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Godwin, I mean, that offense is loaded. As oh. long as they're all healthy, they're loaded. Oh, yeah. that This works out for New England because they weren't going to gain anything through Gronk refusing to play and staying on their active retirement list. Right. So they get a fourth-round pick of it, which is very Belichick. Now you're looking at Gronk in Tampa Bay with all those weapons you mentioned. Now you start to wonder, like, hey, like, Tampa Bay might put up a ton of points. New Orleans is going to put up a ton of points. The division's probably between them, uh, a retooling Falcons team, and 
Carolina doesn't enthuse me with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, so what this almost guarantees them in my mind that Brady's going to make the playoffs, if not get a first round home game. Yeah, well, we still get the extra wild card teams now this year, and um, I think we discussed this a few weeks ago. I do think all, that division is going to be competitive. I think all four teams are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I just don't trust anything about the Falcons. Like last year, I thought they were going to be good, and they just laid an egg week after week. Uh, Carolina doesn't do it for me defensively. I think Bridgewater's okay, but I don't think he's any better than Cam Newton, and I think he's worse than Cam Newton if Cam yeah. is healthy. Granted, I don't know how healthy Cam will ever be again. Uh, they do have potentially the greatest running back in the NFL right now in, yeah. uh, in uh, Christian McCaffrey, so that helps. But a first-year coach, you don't really know. First year being a head coach in the NFL, that could potentially be suspect. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to New Orleans um, and Tampa Bay. I do like New Orleans' uh, run game better than Tampa Bay. Kamara is great. I don't think that Tampa Bay offers much of a run game, but I think Tampa's uh, underrated on defense. So I do think they're going to be a playoff team. I just think they have too many weapons offensively to not be a playoff team. Yeah. And even if they're not, they're going to be fun as hell to watch. I mean, they are going to be now – they were must-see television with Brady, but now reuniting Brady and Gronk with Howard, mm-hmm. Godwin, Evans, and Bruce Arians, who's a phenomenal offensive coach. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that offense is must-see TV for the rest of the season for sure. Gronk down in Tampa Bay is going to be a fun party scene. Um, In the one year that Gronk's been retired, he had the Gronk party boat or party bus or something outside New Orleans or where the Super Bowl was last year. And he was just the host of WrestleMania, which they did in front of nobody because of the virus. But Gronk was allegedly going to start training as a professional wrestler. Um, So it's nice that that's on hold, although I think Gronk would be a fun pro wrestler. Him going back there in Tampa Bay, I think he's immediately, again, the best tight end or the second best tight end in football. Having a year off, less damage to his legs, less damage to his back. He's been in and out of surgery a bunch in New England. I think the year off will do him good. I think it's shown for pro athletes in the NFL that taking one year can help you kind of rebound and get you back up to where you were before your injury. So seeing Gronk and Brady back out there is going to be fun. That Tampa Bay offense is going to be a lot of fun. I think they're shooing for the playoffs now. So, I mean, the, uh, we saw it in the NBA with LeBron last year when he kind of was hurt. But yeah. people were kind of speculating if he was actually as hurt as he was to sit out the rest of the year. But then he came back this year and was dominating like he was 25 years old again. So I yeah. think there is something to it that these older guys – not that Gronk's old, but he's got a lot of mileage. As Indiana Jones once said, it's not the years, it's the mileage. <laughs> and I think that Gronk has a lot of mileage on him. So I think the year, like you mm-hmm. said, sitting out is huge. Are you going to be ballsy enough to make a prediction that Tampa Bay is going to host the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay? I don't think I'm there. I don't think that Tampa uh-huh. Bay is going to come out of the NFC South. Or not the NFC South, of the NFC. I think there's a chance they could win the division. I think they... Depending on how Breeze looks going into the preseason, you know, he didn't really look sharp after his hand surgery last year. I think Tampa Bay might be the favorite there. I think I would probably say that they're the they would win the division. I just don't know if I have them coming out of the NFC just yet. I want to see what happens draft night, what kind of trades go down, but 
to me, they're definitely in the picture of being the Super Bowl participant. I'm really close to putting them in as my NFC Super Bowl team because I think the AFC is superior to the NFC right now. I think the AFC has the four best teams in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Baltimore is going to be good. Kansas City is going to be good. Tennessee's good. Um, Buffalo, I think, is a team that's going to be very good with the, yeah. with the, with the addition to uh, what's-his-face there. Uh, Stephon uh, Diggs. Stephon Diggs, and their defense was great last year. I have faith in Josh Allen. Um, and look, you look at the NFC. I think the 49ers were a complete flash in the pan. I don't think they can replicate the season that they had. Um, the NFC East, I don't have faith in the Cowboys or, or, Phil- or Philadelphia. Um, and then you go to the NFC uh, West, talking about what, or the NFC North, Green Bay. They don't really do nothing for me. Chicago showed that Trubisky's awful, so we'll see what Foles does there. But I think the NFC is wide open. I think it's way yeah. more wide open than the AFC. Like if Brady was still in New England, the road to the Super Bowl is far more difficult in the AFC than it is in the NFC. Yeah. It, like you said earlier, if they're able to get a bye and get a home playoff game. I think they're in pretty good shape there. I think they can win two games at home for sure uh, against some of the teams in the NFC. Look, the Packers, who we always talk about, say how great Rodgers is. The last few years, he's he hasn't been able to get them over the hump. Yeah. I mean, they've been they've been they've been average, frankly, um, and they haven't won a big game in a long time. Uh, it'll be interesting. The, the the team that I think is interesting to see what's going to happen there are the Rams. Was it a Super Bowl hangover or was that just like a one year wonder? Because they 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 were a team that fell off the radar pretty yeah. fast this year. So I'm interested to see what they do. But gun to my head right now, with that offense and the coaching staff they have there, you can make an argument that Tampa Bay's the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy to think about, but you know, we've had a lot of uh, you know, first in our lifetime of watching sports. We've seen the Cubs win a world championship in yeah. baseball. Uh, we've seen the Sox come back from 3-0. Uh, I would love to see a Super Bowl take place uh, in the city where the team is from. Like, if we got a Tampa Bay Super Bowl with Tampa Bay in it, I think yeah. that would be cool. Um, I mean, they're going to have to go through the Giants, who look great. So, we'll see. That's a, that's a nice transition because... Uh... With newly installed quarterback Justin Herbert, they might yeah. be right there. Yeah, Oregon Duck legend Justin Herbert. So let's talk a little draft. Uh, the NFL draft Thursday night. You can check us out. Mike and I think we're going to be doing a live uh, podcast uh, potentially for draft night. So that'll be kind of cool. Uh, we'll get that going. Probably uh, we'll record it, but we'll also probably do it on Instagram Live. Just yeah. do it live. Do it live. Um, so that'll be fun. Probably have guests come in and out throughout the night, talk a little football Thursday. But let's talk a little draft. Kind of a weird story, but there are some rumors. There's always draft rumors. But this one was kind of shocking to me that the Giants are, and I quote, what did they say? I think obsessed or infatuated with Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. Yeah. Uh, kind of a odd move seeing that they do have Daniel Jones. But the Giants have an all-new coaching staff. They have Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. Uh they have uh, the new head coach in there, and I think with Gettleman at the helm, Gettleman has shown that uh, he's capable of doing anything on draft night, whether you think he's going to zig, he'll zag. If you think he's going to zag, he'll zig. And I think Joe Judge, being in, being the new head coach for the Giants and coming from that Belichick Saban school of football, I think he knows what he wants. So if he is in love with Justin Herbert, 
I don't think it's out of the question that the Giants take him and trade Daniel Jones, which they could get a lot for, I'm sure. I'm interested to see if this turns out to be a... Granted, Cousins and RG3 were taken in the same draft one round apart. You start to wonder if, hey, if Z- does this new coach like Herbert, but he doesn't want to move on from Jones yet? Is there going to be some kind of camp battle? I don't think it's beyond the pale for them to take Herbert. And he's one of those guys that everybody's high on. He's not a flashy Tua or Joe Burrow who have one or two very dominant years. He's kind of been the guy in Oregon and could have been drafted whenever he chose to in the first round. So I I think that it's not beyond the pale. I would be shocked if this wasn't some sort of smokescreen. But knowing that Judge is a first-time guy and Garrett's a first-time guy there, maybe they don't like what they see in Jones that other guys did. Yeah, and, and I mean, Garrett coached against him twice or got to see him up close and personal in the NFC East. Um, so I don't know. I Look, I put it this way. I don't care. I like Daniel Jones. If the Giants, But here's the thing. This is why I hate when fans get all pissed off on draft night with people who your team takes. You're obviously going to swing and miss on some draft picks. It's going to happen. But they have more knowledge of this than we do. So as fans... Like, I like Daniel Jones. I think he's fine. I think he could potentially be good. But I don't really know. So <laughs> the Giants and Joe Judge and Garrett see, think, hey, maybe he's not the right guy for this system. Maybe we can do more with Herbert and try to groom him. Then let's do it. Like, But I, the one thing I don't want as a Giants fan is there to be Herbert and Jones on the same roster and it be more of a quarterback controversy controversy like we did with Eli and Jones last year. It was a pain in the ass. No team wants that. And, you know, uh, what's the old uh, Dick Kaline? Uh, if you have more than one quarterback, you don't have any. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think like I think like the Giants, if they decide to move on from Jones this quick, you're leaving yourself open for second guessing and a shit ton of speculation. But if they're confident in it, let's go with it now. I mean, what can the Giants get for Daniel Jones? they got to be able to get a second-round pick for Daniel Jones, I would assume. Yeah, he was a first-round pick last year, and, he, and yeah. he has played. So you would think that maybe this is a tight spot because you don't want to give up a pick worse than the pick you took him for last year because he's an established quarterback. He played 12 games last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh... 13 games, I think. Yeah, 13 or 14 games. I think Eli got benched after the third loss, maybe. So, yeah, 13 games. But, like, that's the thing. They're not going to get a top-five pick for Daniel Jones. There's just no way they're going to get that. But you might be able to get a low first round. Yeah. I think if you're the Giants, you might take draft Herbert with one of these picks. What I'm thinking this might be is the Giants saying that they want to move down in the draft to take Herbert but don't actually take Herbert so then they can trade trade this pick to a team that's looking to get in at the four slot yeah, and, or you know move up to where the Giants are. Because I don't mind the Giants uh, trading their pick in order to, to, to kind of stockpile some picks. You know, the Giants need a lot of help, especially on defense um, and on the offensive line. So they need a lot of picks. Mm-hmm. They have some this year, and hopefully they use them the right way. But – I would be surprised if the Giants go with Herbert on Thursday night or, or any time in this draft. 
Yeah, I uh, the the first few picks of the draft, everybody's looking at quarterbacks. There's rumors the Lions at three are looking at Tua and Herbert and might be interested in moving up to get Burrow. Burrow's obviously the odds-on favorite to go to Cincinnati at one. The Redskins have even had rumors that they're not sold on Dwayne Haskins. And I'm not they, sold on Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins sucks. I yeah, can't wait. and there's rumors that they might look at Cam or they might try to get a pick here if they're not sold on Chase Young, who seems by all accounts to be going at number two. Then you have then you fall back to the Giants, who this might be a smokescreen for Herbert. And then beyond that, you have the Dolphins at five, who... Now there's rumors coming out that they might like Herbert over Tua because no one's allowed to look at Tua and how his hip looks. And there were rumors that he failed a couple of physicals. There were rumors that he scored a 13 on the Wonderlick. Like all of these things that can kind of scare general managers, even in a time where we're not allowed to look at the athletes, can still are all working against Tua. So yeah, there's definitely a market for Herbert that wasn't there six weeks ago. And I think you make a phenomenal point because of the fact that people are starting to flounder on Tua a little bit. Now Herbert's becoming like the bell of the ball a little bit behind Burrow. I think Burrow's the consensus number one pick. I would rather go to Detroit than Cincinnati if I were him. Uh, I think just because he gets to play inside in Detroit, uh, Cincinnati I think is in a horrible spot. I think at least... Detroit is in a little bit of a better spot. Um, I, it, it'll, it'll, it, it would be interesting, though, because Detroit still has Matt Stafford, who I think yeah. they believe still has stuff in the tank. Um, but maybe only a couple more years of that show. So I don't know. It's it's going to be fun Thursday night. Uh, I'm interested. My, my The thing I'm most interested in is to see where Tua ends up. Because the, at, at some points throughout the year, Tua was the number one pick. Like He yeah. was going for one. Then he gets hurt. Then, we, then there was talks. He wasn't even going to go in the first round. Then he kind of catapulted back up into the middle of the, of the first, and now teams are talking about taking him first. The thing that we can't predict is who teams pick, as easy as that sounds. I mean, a couple of years ago, if you told me Baker Mayfield was going number one, I would have said you're crazy, and yeah. the Browns took him number one. Um, so it'll be fun to watch. Uh, so, what's, so what's the draft order? It goes Cincinnati one, and then what do we have? Washington two. Detroit three, the Giants at four, and then Miami at five. Uh, I I would be shocked. Unless Burrow is on the board, I'd be shocked if uh, Washington doesn't take Chase Young. I think he's he's, he's the pick. And Cincinnati's taking a quarterback. I think it's just whether it's Tua, Burrow, or uh, Herbert right now. Do you think Burrow tries to force himself out of Cincinnati? I mean, here's the thing with Cincinnati. I hate their uniform, so I would never want to go there and play with that <laughs> ugly helmet. But because I got drafted by them in Madden, and it pissed me off because like I didn't want to go there. <laughs> I had to suck it up and go. Um, but look, and here's the thing that's crazy about about Cincinnati. They went to the playoffs like what, like seven years in a row or something. So like more recently, they've been in the playoffs. Have they had any type of success? No. Was it with Marvin Lewis? Yes. But I think Cincinnati gets a little bit of a bad rap for like this institutional chaos when in fact like they had a solid head coach for 15 years and I think they're finding out like 
You get rid of Marvin Lewis. Yeah, guy never won a playoff game, but the grass isn't always greener. They got yeah. this new guy in there. What's his name? Zach Johnson or whatever. He's yeah. awful. They, I mean, they were brutal. They were the worst team in the NFL. They brought back all of the same guys from the year previous, and they lost something like their first 12 games last year. Right. And the year before that, they, they were competitive. And, yeah. You know, that that's that's the thing with, with, with football and with head coaches. I think Marvin Lewis is a good head coach. It's tough to win in the playoffs. Yeah, the guy never won a playoff game, but it's not easy to get to the playoffs. And it's and it's and it's just as hard to win a playoff game. So I think Cincinnati has at least some guys in that front office and around the building that have been in the playoffs. So if you're Burrow, I don't know. Like like I said, would I rather play in Detroit? Maybe. But I think all but I think the first three situations there are horrible. Yeah, uh, but I guess Washington with Ron Rivera makes it a little bit more appealing. But if I'm him, no, I think I think he's just going to go to Cincinnati. If, uh, I just think he said he just wants to play wherever. Like with Eli back in the day, Eli said, "I'm not playing for the Chargers. So if they draft me, I'm just not going. Uh, or they just better not draft me." And they did anyway. With Burrow, he hasn't been like, "I'm not going to Cincinnati." He's said all the right things and has been like. You know, I just yeah. want to play football. If they draft me, I'll go play. What do you think? Do you think he goes to Cincinnati if they draft him on Thursday? I don't think he has a ton of choice just because I feel the teams behind him that need quarterbacks are all set. He's not going to – if Detroit decides to go the quarterback route, I think you're right with Stafford. I think they want somebody who's going to sit behind Stafford for one or two years. Burrow doesn't strike me as that guy. I also don't think you can – pick top five and not play the quarterback immediately. So I think you're in trouble there. Miami's been on the Tua train for a year. That's why they blew up their whole team. I think they're still prepared there. They gave Fitz another year. So you would figure Fitz plays one more year while they figure out Tua's hip. And now, you know, he had the broken wrist and the broken hand last year in spring practice and summer. So you have to make sure he's all right. We know Fitz is good enough to win you four to five games, get you a top ten pick next year. I yeah. I don't think there's anywhere for him to go, especially now that Chicago picked up Foles and Cam's out there and San, and the Chargers say they're fine with Tyrod. So there's not really a market for him anywhere else. Look, if I'm a Dolphins, I, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm excited. The Dolphins have so many picks in the next few years. Fourteen, I think. Yeah, they have a ton of picks. We're so fourteen like, this year. Yeah, and then I think they have two first-round picks next year as yeah. well. Look, the Dolphins have the ability to get really good really quick, and I think the Patriots' you know, dynasty is over at this point. I, I mean, the Patriots don't seem uh, much in a hurry to get a quarterback. Or they're going with Stidham, and I think Brady leaving there is going to be tough to come back from this year. And honestly, last year, they weren't that great. I think they got propelled by how good Brady is, how good Belichick is. But without Brady, I think they struggle. So if I'm Miami, I'm excited. Yeah. The thing, the, the, the thing that they have to do is get a lot of these picks right. And that's, you know, that's one of the tough things. But to your point, they could play Fitzpatrick for another season, be decent, win a few games, um, and then get another probably top 10, top 15 pick easily next year yeah. and have another chance to get another stud player. Or they draft their quarterback now and say, here are the keys, go for it. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know if I – I am interested. Is there any chance whatsoever that Cincinnati 
says we're taking Chase Young. He's a generational uh, defensive player, and we're going to sign Cam Newton to play quarterback, like or something like that, or Jameis Winston. Like, are we just going to roll the dice? It seems like there was the rumor that came out when the Bengals franchise AJ Green that they consulted with Burroughs camp before they reached out to Green about the franchise tag because AJ Green last year had surgery, I think, in his foot in the last week of preseason. He was supposed to be back by week four, and then he realized they stunk, so he just Nailed took it. the whole year off. So I wonder if if they'd really been in contact with Burrow that they want to give him the chance to succeed with Mixon and Boyd and A.J. Green, all the different weapons they have there. So I would be stunned if they didn't take Burrow unless Burrow's camp let it be known he didn't want to go there. Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked. I think they need a quarterback. I mean, they need a new franchise quarterback. Uh, but is Andy Dalton still good enough to play in the NFL? Like, is he going anywhere? Like, is he going to be a start quarterback somewhere or no? Or they just, That's a new coach there too. Maybe he's ready to move on. Yeah. I mean, we have three quarterbacks that I think can start that haven't been signed yet. Yeah. Jameis Winston, uh, Dalton, and Cam Newton. Yeah. I mean, look, I know Jameis throws a lot of interceptions, but he led the league in yards last year. He's not like – with a little bit more coaching maybe and a different – a different. you know, sometimes people just need a change of environment. Yeah. Uh, like, we've seen athletes in all sports leave the team. Justin Turner's the perfect example of that. Like, somebody yeah. that came out of nowhere, he was with the Mets, goes to the Dodgers, supposed to be like a utility guy, and then becomes the Dodgers' third baseman for, you know, 10 years, it seems like. So, like, I wouldn't give up on Jameis just yet, and I'm just shocked that teams like the Bears and the Chargers, like, the Bears are settling with Nick Foles, who, like, yeah, Nick Foles had a phenomenal playoff run and won a Super Bowl, but he's hurt all the time. And yeah. then your other option there is Trubisky, who stinks. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's your guy. Uh, I just think like Cam Newton and Jameis are far better than Tyrod Taylor is. Yeah. I'm with it. It's weird to see this much talent out there. You could, eat, you could make the injury excuse for Cam, but Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards last, last year. You know how hard is it to throw for 5,000 yards when you're responsible for 40 turnovers? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think with Dalton, too, you're telling me that every quarterback in the league is better than Andy Dalton? I I don't think that. I mean, I don't think Dalton's great, but he's had playoff experience. I think he's better than Tyrod Taylor. I think he's better than Trubisky or Foles. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I know that the Jaguars are sold on Gardner Minshew and are just going down this train this road where they just get rid of everybody and play Minshew. Yeah. But Dalton, Jameis, and uh, and Cam are all better than Gardner Minshew. I yeah. Mean, I know that for a fact. So it's interesting to me. Um, obviously, there, I, there might be more to Cam's injury than we actually know because he claims that he wanted to come back to Carolina and it seemed like they had no interest whatsoever in bringing him back. Yeah. And they're going with Teddy Two Gloves, who, yeah, was good last year. But, I mean, that guy – unfortunately, is a bad hit away from being done for the rest of his career. So yeah. good for him. Bridgewater's getting paid. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a huge gamble there. Um, and like the, like the Redskins, what are they doing? They have to draft a quarterback then because there's no way that Rivera is going to go into that season with Dwayne Haskins. 
I, I just don't see it. I thought it was a it was a risk to take Haskins when the Giants were contemplating it. I was yeah. screaming, "Don't take Haskins! Don't take Haskins!" Uh, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback, and he looked horrible last year for for uh, Washington. Now I know Washington's not the '85 Bears or the '72 Dolphins or one of these teams that's great, but uh, he looked pretty bad. And the three quarterbacks we've mentioned are all better than him right now. So if they don't yeah. take a quarterback, it'll be interesting what they do. Yeah. Um, uh, Terry McLaurin, their wide receiver they drafted last year, was very promising, even with shoddy quarterback play. If you can get some of these guys some weapons, the uh, Adrian Peterson's still there, the... The, I'm trying to think of the Geis, I think is the running back's name there, who had a couple who had a couple of good games coming off an ACL tear. They have they have some weapons you can kind of sell yourself on. If they go back with Haskins, you have to figure they're tanking for another year to get another top ten pick. And it also could be one of those things like we need to see another year of Haskins, like and make sure he's as bad as we think he is, so then we have an excuse to get him out of here. Yeah. But with that, you still have a little bit of probably trade value with Haskins right now. Maybe you get a fifth-round pick or something, um, which doesn't seem like much to the average fan, but these GMs love picks. They love stockpiling picks. So if you get a fifth-round pick for Haskins and then you draft the generational player like Chase Young and then sign Dalton or Cam, yeah, I mean, your team – I just think by signing one of those quarterbacks, it's name recognition, you get some excitement in your organization, and you're instantly better than you are with Dwayne Haskins. With all three of those guys. Yeah. And I think I've talked myself into if I'm an NFL GM, I sign Jameis and say, here you go, man. Let's have let's at least make it fun. And Air it out. Yeah, just throw it, man. And, like, at least you have a chance. Every game you have a chance to win with Jameis. Does he win a lot of them? No. But, I mean, who knows? He's got new contacts. Uh, not, like, contacts in his phone, like actual contacts yeah. so he can see. Um he throws the ball all over the field, and let's have some fun. Yeah, I don't. I think it's. I. I think it's a better, better plan than saying, "Hey, we're going to watch Dwayne Haskins play pro football for a year." Yeah, I think it's going to be ugly. Uh, so yeah, Thursday night we'll do the draft live. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, the big, the big sports watching thing of the quarantine finally was released. Mike and I have talked about it many times. The Last Dance episode one and two, '90s Bulls and. Pretty much a Jordan documentary, I guess. They've really focused it around Jordan. Uh, Well, the first two episodes, at least. Um, It was great. I loved it. Uh, You watched it, obviously. I don't know if it's the lack of having anything else on TV, but I was like 15 minutes in episode one, and I was saying, this is the greatest thing I've ever watched. You know what I was doing, and I knew I liked it, because... I was looking at the clock and being like, all right, good. There's still like 40 minutes left. Like I didn't want it <laughs> yeah. to end. So I was like, I need some type of entertainment. And uh, yeah, it's great. What were some of the big takeaways from the from the documentary episodes one and two that you were interested by? The first part for me that really stood out was basically Scottie Pippen's agent is the worst agent in global sports history. Yeah, you or me would have worked a better deal out, and we were like five years old. Seven years, eighteen million. He was the hundred twenty-second highest paid player in the NBA, and he was arguably a top four player in the NBA. 
getting yeah. paid like a bench guy. Yeah. He was making less money than Luke Long, Longley and Bill Paxton. Think about this. So what? <laughs> there are 30 NBA teams? Yeah. So that's quick math. Boom, boom, boom. 150 30. starters. Thank you. And he was in the bottom three quarter of the starters in the NBA. And he's one of the – and he was voted a top 50 player of all time. Yeah. Dude, when they put his numbers up on the screen, he was phenomenal. Like yeah. he, like he is so underrated, and obviously they show that ninety seven, ninety eight season. The Bulls were like four and four and getting beat by like garbage pail teams. Yeah, and uh, while he's sitting on the bench, he might be the most underappreciated player in the history of sports. The year and a half where MJ was retired slash allegedly suspended for gambling. Scotty won like fifty five games that year with Phil Jackson. Yeah, the year they lost to the Knicks, they were like, they won fifty five games. Yeah, yeah. and then MJ came back in the playoff hunt the next year they when they lost to the Magic. But Scotty had them as a top tier Eastern Conference seat again by himself. Yeah. Well, I mean Tony Kukoc and Ron Harper and Luke Longley. Yeah. So, I dude, I. I I was shocked by that, too. That was the number one takeaway for me. Um, also, I love the Jerry Krause-Jordan dynamic. Like, Jordan hated his guts and was <laughs> repeatedly, like, calling him fat and short and, like, making jokes to him. And, like, yeah. this guy was just wearing it. Also, dude, I know it's, like, revisionist history and we can play Monday morning quarterback, but how dumb is it to break that team up? Like, yeah, I know they were, like, older, but, like, they won six of eight titles. They won their second three-peat. And frankly, if Jordan probably doesn't retire or whatever, get forced out to go play baseball, they win one of those. They either win 94 or 95. They, they're, if he plays the whole 95 season, they, they're better than the team that lost to the Magic. He wasn't in true form. So yeah. I think at worst they win seven of eight titles, and they're just like, no, let's, why, don't we, why don't we try something different? It's like, incredible to me where after – the fifth title, and it's now 20-something years later, and they interviewed the owner of the Bulls, and he was just like, we just didn't think they had anything left. And I was like, bro, you've had 23 years to come up with an excuse. And you're just rolling with that? Like, Pippen took that Trailblazers team to the Western Conference Finals. They lost in Game 7 to Shaq and Kobe. Kukoc won another title the next year in 98-99 with the Spurs. MJ in his early 40s was still getting you 24 and a half a game with Jerry Stackhouse in Washington. Rodman went to the Lakers. Rodman was the only one who was kind of washed at that point. He bounced around between the Lakers and the Spurs and the Mavericks and all that. But man, like everybody that he was ready to give up on was still good for two or three more years. Yeah, Ron Harper went and won a title with Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. And I think he might have won more than one there, to be honest. So we can fact check that, but I, I know he won one at least with that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Tony Kukoc went and made the finals with the Sixers in 2000. He might have, yeah, he was on one of those Sixers teams. But the thing is, like, Jordan doesn't retire if they bring all those guys back. No, imagine telling Phil Jackson you could win every single game and I'd still fire you at the end of the year. It may, it, I just don't get it. Like, they didn't give, and you're, dude, you make a phenomenal point. It's been nearly three decades, and they don't give us, like, 
a valid excuse as to why they were like, we're just going to change it and like try to rebuild. It's not like they were bad. They were, they were winning titles. Yeah. It makes no sense. And all the guys wanted to come back. Phil Jackson was like, I'm here to coach. I just want to be treated better. Pippen was like, give me money. And Jordan just said, I'm not going to play for anybody but Phil Jackson. So if he goes, I'm going. Yeah. But it didn't sound to me like Jordan was like hell bent on like, this is my last season at all. Yeah. It was just that the fact that they were breaking up the band. It was extremely, it's extremely odd to me. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily get it. I think from an organizational standpoint, their thinking was, look it, we've given the fans five titles, now going to be six. And like, we don't have to pay all these guys. Like we've done enough. Like, let's yeah. just go, like, let's just save money now. I mean, it's wild that I, I, I really couldn't wrap my head around it because I never realized that was why. Yeah broke up i always thought it was like jordan was like all right this is my last year yeah and Pippen was over the hill but really pippen wasn't over the hill he went and had a couple good more years yeah it, so, was, it was interesting to see that because this wasn't like in the nba you kind of get stuck in purgatory where right. those atlanta hawks teams before they broke through and were the one seed that year they spent like a decade with the josh childresses and the joe smiths being like a six to four seed which is NBA purgatory where you always get smoked in the second round. You're always just decent enough to not get a transcendent draft pick. So then... 11 to 2015 Memphis uh, Grizzlies. Yeah. It's not like the Bulls were there. They were still winning. And they're yeah. winning... It wasn't like they beat slouch teams. Both those Jazz teams won 60-plus games they played in the finals. Yeah, and they also beat, like, if we go back, who'd they beat in 96? Was 96 the Sonics? Let's pull that up. 91 was the Lakers. Yeah. 92 was the Trailblazers. I think 93 was the Suns. 93 was the Suns because Ainge doesn't close out on Paxson for the three. Yeah, so I think 96 is the Sonics. Yeah, but and then I, it was Jazz back-to-back. -back. Yeah, Jazz in 97, 98. I, I just don't get it. it that, that was the one thing that I took away from the first couple episodes where it's like, this makes no sense. If you told anybody that all these guys didn't want to leave, they were yep. just told to leave, and they had no plan. They were just like, oh, we're going to rebuild. Rebuild what? <laughs> champions. What are you rebuilding? Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, was even saying, we can rebuild around Michael. Like, Michael was like 37 at that point. So, like, it, he was probably on the way out anyway. A couple more years, he probably would. He wouldn't have taken that hiatus and came back as like an old guy with the Wizards. He would have yeah. been. He would have had a couple instead of taking two years off and coming back and playing two years. He would have just played those last two years in ninety nine, two thousand. That would yeah. have been it. But like, it's so weird because Jordan seemed the quote that Jordan gave was like, "It's weird that they're not going to let us defend our crown. And like, until somebody takes that away from us, we should have the chance to defend it. So yeah. it sounded like they were all willing to just like keep doing one year deals and yeah. coming back, coming back and just trying to, trying to win it until they were defeated. I mean, they signed Phil Jackson to a one year, $6 million deal. And we're like, here you go, Phil, this is it. Like you said, when the owner game. had to fly to Phil's weird Montana compound because Jerry Krause wouldn't sign it. Dude, it's Jerry Krause, like, that guy. And look, if I was in that situation, if I was Jerry Krause, I might have an ego too. But that guy was like, I want to be the guy that everybody's like, you put this team together. Like, you were the reason we won. Like, read the room, bro. <laughs> you had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. 
I am coattailsing that for life. Yeah, dude, just ride it out. Just keep collecting rings. Yeah, do I give him credit? He brought in Rodman. He signed Coach. You know, yeah. Luke Longley, guys like that. Yeah, you did a good job. But you had Jordan, and, and he traded for Pippen, which is all good. But, like, you had Michael Jordan, man. <laughs> like, it would have been tough to mess that up anywhere else. And, yeah, I think he's underrated, Jerry Krause, because he brought in a lot of pieces around Jordan to make them a phenomenal team. But the fact of the matter is, like, you're not going to get the credit in that room, man. Like, you're not going to make it – like, if you're in a room where – the chef makes the most phenomenal steak ever, and you provide like some good mashed potatoes to go around it. People are going to remember the steak and be like, "Oh, those <laughs> potatoes are good." But like, dude, yeah, I think Jerry Krause is definitely underrated because he put in a lot of great pieces. Like the whole thing with Scottie Pippen being from uh, Central Arkansas and like not being noticed, but then he becomes good. But the, but Krause is like, "We need to trade for that guy." That's a great move. Yeah, and 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 he should get credit for it. And he should be more revered as a good GM than he is because he gets a bad rap. But at the same time, you're not going to get credit in that it, room. It's apparent still to this day how much Michael Jordan hates him. Yeah, and the guy's dead and he still <laughs> hates him. I mean, the guy's dead and he still hates him. I love that they're interviewing MJ in his living room while he drinks scotch and smokes cigars. Bro, and you notice the takes got a little bit hot hotter as like the night like because like they would show the place he was sitting and it was yeah. like daytime and then by the end it was nighttime and the and the, and the drink was like getting significantly lower <laughs> like mj was putting on a good buzz talking about how much he hates jerry Krause. also i realized they didn't do this part till the nighttime where the interviewer was like mike how about that 85 bulls team known as the cocaine circus and he just kind of like did that fake laugh like oh i had never heard about the cocaine circus <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, it's, um, then they showed that b-roll of him like making his bed in the hotel room they're like i wasn't a drugs guy here i am making my bed in my hotel room my wife and i were watching it and they had a video of him like washing his bulls uniform i was like what like, even if these, <laughs> i was like even if these guys were doing a bunch of cocaine like what the like equipment guy was even like too high to wash your uniform <laughs> like i'm pretty sure even in the in nba 80s People were still washing uniforms for the players. They showed this thing of Jordan washing his like warm up in the yeah. fucking uh, in the hotel room. I was like, how, I don't know about that. How scared did Scottie Pippen look in that brief footage of Charles Oakley grabbing him by the collar? <laughs> that was a weird B roll to get in there, and I felt like it was just like MJ was watching this for the first time with Oak at his house, and Oak was like, "How come I'm not in this, Mike?" Yeah. So he had to call Adam Silver working that B-roll. Dude, it is going to become more obvious as this thing goes on that Jordan doesn't give an F about what he's saying. Like, he's saying everything. And, like, if it hurts people's feelings, too bad. Because yeah. they, sh they showed the clip of, like, what's coming up next week. Yeah. And he's ripping Scotty. He's ripping Rodman. He's like, I couldn't deal with Dennis anymore. And it, he just doesn't care. And I think that's the beauty of this documentary that we're going to see. And... All these guys are kissing Jordan's ass. Like Pippen yeah. was definitely saying how much he loves Jordan. Yeah. And I think Jordan loves Pippen too. But they asked him point blank about did Scotty handle the injury the wrong way and not coming back to the team. And a lot of times in these documentaries you get like, you know, Scotty had to do what he had to do. And Mike was like, nope, he handled it wrong. Like he should have been there playing. <laughs> like, yeah. 
and you can tell that that still bothers Jordan 24 years later. Yeah. It's, it still gets on his nerves. It and will, that's the difference. Yeah, because Scotty even says in the documentary, one of the great lines of episode two, I'm not going to F up my summer. Right. Like Scotty was just out there making $1.26 million a year for the world champion Bulls as the ninth best player in the NBA. He was going to drink all of the Mick Ultras he could on the patio. And bro, I don't blame him. <laughs> like, a, like, a, like, you know, like he was getting paid what Luke Longley deserved to get paid. Yeah. Deserved to get paid. Like it's wild. It really is. And I was shocked by that. So I don't blame him. But I know if you're Jordan because yeah. he has that insane, uh, you know. Competitor like, brain. Yeah. Where he just can't lose. He yeah. thinks Scotty was being soft like. And I think Jordan kind of saw eye to eye with Reinsdorf in the sense like, hey, Scotty, you signed the contract. Like, yeah. That's your problem, man. And Reinsdorf even said that. He said, hey, when a player of mine signs a deal, that's the deal he signed. Too yeah. bad. I'm not going to renegotiate. So there's a part of me that says maybe you should renegotiate. But at the same time, you said it in the opening. Pippen should be mad at his agent or himself. Yeah. And I get like they told the backstory. Pippen had a father who was in a wheelchair. His brother was in a wheelchair. He needed to make real money to support them. Yeah. I get it. But you can't look around and be blaming everybody else in the room and not like look in the mirror and be like, hey, should I have signed a better deal? I get yeah. it. You were afraid you were going to get hurt and your career could be over. And $2 million is still a lot of money. Yeah. But you were probably worth $8 million. So it's crazy. It's interesting to see the dynamic where we're seeing a lot of these Bulls players now that do it, like Rodman's obviously in it, and Pippen, and Wennington, and all those guys are in it. But none of the 80s Bulls guys are. So I wonder how much of like MJ's personality wears on you when your team stinks. Because like none of these 80s guys who are on the traveling cocaine circus that Mike threw them all under the bus for in episode one, like none of those dudes are in it. It's like oak, and that's yeah. it. Well, I do think that they suck, so, and Jordan carried those teams. So I don't think the documentary guys want the narrative to be like, you know, we brought Jordan to where he is. Because really, this documentary is about the 90s Bulls. So yeah. I, think, I think if you're one of those 80s Bulls guys, you probably are going to go on this and you know start saying how it isn't as bad as people portray it. When in reality, it was probably just as bad as it's being portrayed. Yeah, I mean, I, Jordan was Jordan was scoring 63 points in the playoffs. Obviously, <laughs> there wasn't much help there. Him shaking his head, holding the ball on the wing, was one of my favorite moments of the whole thing. Where he's like in the three-point stance, and he's yeah. just like looking over Danny Ainge's head, shaking his head. Uh, yeah. He just hated all of those guys. And I don't blame him. I think it's... Every uh, single person on that team got into a fight with their wife that night over the traveling cocaine circus. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> And, and Jordan just like laughing at him saying he was the only one not in the room which is uh, yeah but I'm excited for episode 3 and 4 uh, yeah. I'm excited for the whole thing but the next episode is apparently all about Rodman and they 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 show this teaser the trailer where Rodman goes to Phil and is like I need a vacation and Phil's like we're in the middle of the season like you can't just leave <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they bring in Jordan and Phil's like hey Mike Dennis says he needs a vacation and Jordan goes, I can't deal with Dennis anymore, so you got to figure it out. So they meet together, the three of them, and Jordan is like, "Will you be? can you 
do a 48 hour vacation and Rodman's like, I'll take whatever you can get. So they, <laughs> so they like work out a 48 hour vacation for Dennis to go to Vegas and stay up for 48 straight hours. That, that's going to be interesting. That I can't wait for. The, the Dennis Chronicles are going to be fun. I also hope that they, they showed a lot of Isaiah Thomas in this. And I hope MJ gets enough scotch in him to tell us why he kept Isaiah off the dream team. I hope he admits to it in episode three, where he's just like, bad boys, Pistons, I hated him and Lampier, kept him off the dream team, write it down. I think that's the way the documentary is progressing, so we're going to have two storylines. Jordan's entire career, and then the 90s Bulls in the same stuff. So we're almost up to the bad boy Bulls stuff, so I think that's where it's going. And then every episode we get some Jordan, and we get another part of the 90s Bulls. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I guess I'm interested in all the Jordan stuff, but I'm more interested in this 90s Bulls stuff. Like, all yeah. these inner workings of them hating each other is, is great. Yeah. And it seems to me like the team itself got along really well, including Phil Jackson, who Jordan seems to like he would take a bullet for Phil Jackson still yeah. to this day. Um, and Jordan was even very respectful about his coaches in the 80s, the way he talked about those guys. Yeah, Doug Collins. Yeah, and the other guy there, uh, Albach, whatever his first yeah. name is. Uh, he seemed to be cool with those guys. Jordan's Jordan's animosity seems to be all on Jerry Krause and a little bit with uh, with uh, Reinsdorf too. Yeah. But I think Scottie Pippen would dig up Jerry Krause, kill him again, and put him back in the ground. Like he hates him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was brutal. well. The one of the stories was that you Scotty and MJ used to call Jerry Krause crumbs. Because he would eat on the team bus and stand up and have crumbs all over his chest. Which is like the cruelest, childish nickname for a grown man. Like that's way worse than MJ going, do you want me to lower the basket down for him to shoot layups? And all kinds of stuff like that. And telling him not to give him the European League trophy that they won in France. But like Scotty and MJ, grown men calling another grown man crumbs, is so demasculating. Like yeah. that, that's one of those things where like you hear children call other children that and you're like, dude, kids are the worst, but they were doing that as grown men. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was the last dance. Uh, we're going to get into more of that. You know, look, we're starving for content, so we'll cover that every week. Yeah. Uh, we'll get more of that next week. Uh, before we wrap up the show, we have a word from Shane McHugh visuals. This podcast has been brought to you by Shane McHugh visuals. Uh, Shame and Cube Visuals is a full-service freelance video and photo production house that can suit all your visually creative needs. Whether you are looking to capture a special event, promote your business, or showcase your property, SMV has you covered. You can find them online at Shane McHugh Visuals or on Instagram at Shane McHugh Visuals, S-H-A-N-E-M-C-H-U-G-H Visuals.com or on Instagram at Shane McHugh Visuals. Shane did a video for me for my wedding ceremony. Mulraney was there. He'll tell you how beautiful it was. Uh, If you're looking to get married, uh, talk to uh, Shane McHugh visuals if you're not getting married you should propose to someone just to hire shame cube visuals for your wedding so there you go uh mike anything else for the people Hello. all right check us out on procrastinationsports.com check out this podcast our other two podcasts uh, coming in hot and production delay on our spotify channel uh and get ready for thursday's nfl draft we're going to be doing that on instagram and we'll post that up on the blog as well so thanks everybody we appreciate you checking in and we'll be back next week for episode 15 big one love you guys see ya